los nazarenos. Los nazarenos. Los nazarenos. Maybe. I like that. That's La Nazarena. All right, y'all. Welcome back to Los Nazarenos. Today we have a special guest, um, Aaron, uh, formerly, yeah. formerly La Liberty, now Davis. We are cousins. My middle name is Davis. So, um, yeah, somewhere. Cousins by marriage. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, welcome. Another La Nazarena. I think you're our third. Yes. Nazarena. So, All right. um, yeah. So, welcome, Aaron. Thank you. So we Thanks were like, we were looking at our our list of guests this season, and they're like, huh. we've we've only had men on, mm-hmm. and so we were like, okay, we need female vibes. Yeah. Um, we're excluding a full fifty percent of the world. <laughs> yeah, I think it's greater than fifty percent. I thought that used to be a thing where, like, there was more actually more women in the world than men or something. Yeah. I mean, that could be right. Yeah. Fifty point five percent. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so today we're just gonna kind of hang out and we're gonna talk about women's stories in the Bible and. <laughs> It just wasn't right to have two guys talking about women's stories in the Bible. Right. So, um, Aaron, um, I don't know. Do you want to say anything about yourself, like how smart you are? Uh, oh, who you are uh, <laughs> your accomplishments. Yeah, yeah. Doc, sure. doc, doctor, future physician, future student doctor, um, as yeah. I as I am called, uh, technically. Um, but yeah, so. I, I'll say, so I met, I'll say quickly, I, I met, I know Justin because we used to work together um, at uh, Catholic Church in San Diego. And I think we were each other's. Yeah. You, yeah. We were like work spouses. Like, yeah. You're my work wife. Yeah. Very <laughs> accurate. Because yeah. um, we were both, we're both super into Marvel and Star Wars and all things nerd and so we just talked about that all and, the time. And we were the more progressive end of the yes. church. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. Um, so, yeah, so I am a second year um, medical student. I'm going to uh, I'm in a DO program, so a doctor of osteopathic medicine program in Fresno, which for those who are not in California, that's four hours north of L.A. Um, it's the middle of nowhere in California. Yes, yeah. it really is. It really is. Uh, so yeah, so I go to school there and it's awesome and I love it super hard. And I also am very, very passionate about women's health issues and women's health um, empowerment. So I started the OBGYN interest group at my school and I really just want to educate all future physicians about the importance of women's health because it impacts all of us. And I hope to one day be an OBGYN and help women just understand their bodies and feel better about themselves and deliver babies all about it. Uh, Cool. I love that. I think it's, I agree. Women's health is very important. I think like without women's health, there aren't a 
lot of other people coming out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, that's real important work because for some stupid reason, the most technologically advanced and richest country in the world has one of the highest uh, maternal mortality rates in the world. Yep. So you're, yeah. you're, you're safer having a baby in a rice field in China than you are in a U.S. hospital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <Specific. laughs> it's sad but true. Yeah. So I, and it's just really heartbreaking hearing women talk about their experiences. Like since so, since so many women go to OBGYNs for delivering their babies and um, just how terrible their experiences, how like they just couldn't care less. And it's just like, I, it just kind of, it's very sad, but kind of motivating for me. So definitely it's good work. Yeah. It's the Lord's work. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> oh, um, well, any other preamble we need to do or should we just like, uh, maybe I'll just start by saying, we'll, we'll maybe do this a little free form. So Aaron, what's as a, as a Catholic lay woman, and, and you got a earful of theology having your desk next to mine at work. <laughs> uh, what's your takeaway with uh, women in the Bible? Like what's, what's the deal with these women from the ancient times and as a uh, as a card carrying feminist. <laughs> um yeah so i mean well so i think i think as a kid like so i grew up in the south um where catholicism is not very prevalent um and the kind of the narrative i was taught as a kid was that you know even though women were prominent they were still very like subservient Mm -hmm. that was the the vibe um so kind of then as i've continued like my spiritual growth and learning more and more of the truth really of the the bible i'm seeing just how incredible these women are like just how badass they are that they like the the just how they're just so willing to just like um just go against everything that they have been taught Mm -hmm. because they know what's right. And I love that. I just love that so much. Um, And seeing how these, these women like never, you know, stop, never let up hope. So I think of like some of these women from the old Testament specifically um, and how they, you know, like they, these women who like, you know, knew that there was peace, knew that, you know, they would one day have a child and then Mm -hmm. it, it it happens and it that's just like that's just incredible mm. to me the the hope and the assurance that they they knew what was up yeah definitely yeah i agree with that i think uh and just kind of by way of note we're gonna focus mainly on like bible stuff um i know we're a predominantly catholic podcast and the catholic church has its own baggage with patriarchy so um i don't know we might get into that a little bit but that's not the main focus but i want to acknowledge that that is a reality and it's something that should be addressed in whatever way but um maybe next season we'll get phyllis zagano on here and oh that would be a dream (laughs) what a dream (laughs) big names now yeah yeah 
to manifest reality. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so that yeah, there's a lot of like I said, baggage in the Catholic Church around women and leadership. Um, but today we're talking about the Bible. <laughs> so just want to acknowledge it and not pretend like we're ignoring that. Yeah. Right. Um Okay, well, let's, um, maybe we can go round robin and we each brought a story from the Bible about a woman that we yeah. want to share and talk about and um, just show how amazing, like Aaron said, how badass these ladies are. And, um, and just maybe one point I want to make is um, the Bible is extremely patriarchal. It was written it's kind of like impossible to avoid that because it was written in a patriarchal society. Um, right. So it's going to carry that with it. But I would argue that God is not patriarchal. That's, and I think that's what comes out in some of these stories is that um, when all the men are just being idiots and not listening to God, it's the women who step in and make sure that God's will is done. Um so yeah um so shall we jump who wants to go first yeah <laughs> or, jump on in. that water is warm everybody yeah <laughs> i can i can go first mine is very short okay. uh, but it was the first one that came to mind so i i felt i felt it as i have uh tried to acknowledge if it's the first that comes to mind it's frequently the holy spirit that's calling oh, yeah. me to it so um <laughs> So, yeah, and I just, I thought of a, a quote that I have remembered uh, from Phyllis uh, Zagano, which was from the talk that we saw at uh, Catholic, Catholic Con or yeah. LA Congress, <laughs> um, which I found so true, which was until we have a woman preaching the gospel next to the Pope, people will not see what the Catholic Church has to say about women, mm. which I found so moving because of course like i know there's still a lot of you know uh, a lot that needs you know that still needs to be worked out as far as if women can be you know be deacons specifically but i just love that of like the truth is there it yeah. is there it's just people can't see it you know so um i just really love that so yeah so my the story i chose was very short but i've always loved this one so it's uh, Luke chapter 10, because of course I had to pick a Luke. Um, <laughs> that's your boy. That's my boy. Um, so it's uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 38 to 42. Do you want me to read it or just kind of summarize what's going on? Uh, yeah, you can go ahead and read it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So it says, uh, now what happened that while they were traveling, he entered into a, into a certain town. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her home. And she had a sister named Mary, who, while sitting beside the Lord's feet, was listening to his word. Now Martha was continually busying herself with serving. And she stood still and said, Lord, is it not a concern to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, speak to her so that she may help me. And the Lord responded by saying to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled over many things. And yet the only thing is necessary. And yet only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the best portion and it should not be taken away from her. So I really love this story really for, for Martha. Um, I know that like the frequently, like the, 
what is taught around this is that, you know, Mary is, you know, doing the, you know, the right thing by like listening to, to Christ's word. Mm-hmm. But I just love that Martha is like, don't you see I'm slaving over here and like nobody <laughs> seems to care. And like, because I feel like her, her work is also very important. Like yeah, what she's, she's preaching. I, I love it. Like, I just love it. I love, and I love that she like, frequently like with some of the apostles they're so nervous or and i think you know rightly so of like what they say to to jesus and martha's just like you know what like i'm real sick of this like i'm over here working my ass off and you guys are just sitting comfy like this is not okay and Mm -hmm. i just find that so funny and true (laughs) and i love that um Christ's response to her is not like, how dare you come at me like this? But like, you know, it'll all be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, Mary is, is still doing, you know, the right thing. And, um, you know, just come in and listen to me basically. But um, I've always loved Martha and Mary because they are just kind of like this constant in, especially like uh, Christ's ministry or public ministry, I should say, um, where the apostles seemed to fail, they were always, like, just right there, just mm-hmm. right there, constant. And I think Martha shows such, she, it shows, like, the intimacy of her and Christ's friendship in the fact that she's able to just say this to him mm-hmm. and not be afraid or like just like how two friends would talk you know of just like you know can you can't you don't you see what i'm struggling with here and i really i really love that um and i think it shows more sometimes more of a friendship than is seen with some of the apostles who were you know pushed back or or aren't mm-hmm. willing to speak freely so that's really why i love this yeah. passage the guys are always like mumbling amongst themselves and yeah. just has to be like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> well, hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're always like, oh gosh, okay. Uh well let's try and stay awake. Just kidding, we're gonna nap because yeah. I'm tired. <laughs> we were, oh you know, just which one of us is the coolest. And then yeah. Jesus says, yeah. none of y'all are cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're all lame and here's uh, why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do love that story. I was just I was, Every time uh, there's this like uh, video that I play for the kids on uh, Ladatas, see, uh, not Ladatas, on Lexia Divina, and um, the story that they use is that story that you just read or an iron, and that's I feel like that's such a beautiful story. I agree, like it's just like the fact that she comes up and she's like, first of all, homie, like y'all be fed and wine and dine, and nobody's helping me, so what's <laughs> what's what's the big issue here, you know? And so I. I, I love that that Bible passage. That's a super cool one. Yeah, I I think this, uh, and I know I'm gonna break some uh, some exegetical rules here, but um, <laughs> coming with the words. Oh um, man, yeah, throwing that exegesis, <laughs> exegesis. Um, but so in John's Gospel, I think Martha is more with it than mary like when so like um just for context like lazarus is martha and mary's brother and so and when he dies in 
Um, in John's gospel, when Joe and when Joseph, when Jesus <laughs> shows up late, Josie. <laughs> um, it, like Mary comes running up to him, is like, ah, if you would have been here, my brother would have stayed alive. <laughs> and then she's like, don't, Mary, don't you, don't you believe him? He's like, yeah, I believe that we'll all be raised on the last day, but you should have been here. And then, <laughs> and then like, um, but then Martha just comes off completely different. And it's like, I know, you know what, Jesus, I believe like, whatever you say will be done and i'm paraphrasing but like like her faith in the moment of crisis seems a little bit stronger than mary's in john's gospel at least so yeah she seems she it seems like mary is like she's on the way like she's on the path but martha just really seems to pick it up just like Mm -hmm. she's she just recognizes what's in front of her and she just Mm -hmm. goes with it. And I also just find, I think for me, I um, like growing up around a lot of evangelical Christians, it's, it always very came came off very um, like fake to me and it may or may not have been, but that was just the impression I got. Mm. And uh, so seeing like a story like this where Martha is just, like I, that's like any woman ever <laughs> like mm-hmm. i just feel like that's so real of her reaction in that moment and the fact that she is so close to christ throughout his um public ministry it's like it's like that's so authentic to me you yeah. know it really rings true it also makes you think of like like looking because i i've heard like Mary as a model of contemplation and um, prayer. I think there's something like the points you brought up, Aaron, that's profound about like Martha as a model of prayer to bring to God whatever is on your heart and whatever's in front of you, not just like not going to God just when things are peachy and nice or when you need something, but like, like if you're pissed off, it's okay for your prayer to be pissed off like mm. like everything doesn't have to be squeaky clean when you come to god mm-hmm. yeah i've definitely done that myself of just being like you know what it sucks it sucks and here's why yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm sure you already know why but still <laughs> yep yeah. but here it is again yeah <laughs> and there's a whole book in the bible lamentations where it's right it's, it's the WTF God book. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Let's see. Well, we can do my 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 next. I, I have I have two of them. I think I might just do both of them because I feel like both of them are very like different in the sense. Uh, the the first one that I want to do is from uh, the Gospel of John, and it's like the appearance to Mary Magdalene, and so it's John chapter twenty and then. I'll start reading from verse 11 to like verse. It says, But Mary stayed outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she bent over into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting sitting there, one of them, uh, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been. And they said to her, 
Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. When she said, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus there, but did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener and said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you laid him, and I will take him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, uh, Teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop holding on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to your, uh, my brothers and tell them I am going to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary of Magdalene went, to, uh, went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and what, uh, and what he told her. So I think like this is a super cool passage just because like we see, you know, God is appearing right to Mary first. Like it's just like, hey, like this is like a big event that's happened. People are going to be looking for me. People are really banking that I don't come back, that I don't reappear. Like I'm like, I'm stirring up a lot of commotion with this, you know, and instead of showing up to like, you know, Pontius Pilate or to like any of the centurion or just like any of these high profile individuals, right. That would just kind of collapse. Uh, it, you know, he presents himself and makes himself visible or appears to Mary Magdalene. I think like that's such a huge aspect. And like, it just really shows that importance of like the role of women in the Bible. And I think it goes back to kind of like what you had mentioned earlier, Justin, where it's just like the Bible itself may be set up with like you know the the interweavings of a patriarch but even though that's a very like man-made thing like god himself doesn't doesn't have a patriarch and he does like a great way of showing that like in this bible passage you know it's like i'm gonna sh show up to my my homie mary magdalene here mm -hmm. i am yeah that's a i think um just the the fact of Mary Magdalene, and the, let's not confuse Mary Magdalene with the Mary from the last story, who was Mary. And of also, yeah. Mary, <laughs> you know, mother of God, also yeah. different. <laughs> One of the 10 Marys. Yeah. Probably, I would say, the second coolest Mary behind so. Mary, mother of God. Yeah. Uh, and so, just like the context, like women, like, I think they could go to synagogue, but they had to like sit on their own side. Mm -hmm. They weren't allowed to like listen to like preaching or have a teacher, like be a disciple of a rabbi. And like they, if you like didn't have a husband or a um, son, you were screwed <laughs> socially at least. And, but here and so like jesus is fucking all of those trends it's like there's women in his cohort following him around right and i think there's even passages where it's like he has women women are around him he's teaching women like, <laughs> like so how dare you <laughs> my guys um and and so just for, so, like, if we put ourselves into, like, the first century, like, Palestinian context, it is an 
complete absurdity that a woman is the first person that the risen Christ appears to. Mm-hmm. And I think that like speaks to the reality of it. Like they wouldn't have written this because it's for it's it's stupid to the rest of the world at, at their time. They wouldn't have written it unless it were true. Like <laughs> um so yeah, that's like the very first person that like the fullness of like the revelation that the in the resurrection comes to is Mary Madeline. Yeah, I've always loved this and I've loved the um just like the his his reaction as well of seeing her crying and be like I just I think that's such like a sweet line as well of like why are you crying like look it's me and I just think that's it's very cute like it's such a cute <laughs> sweet little moment you know of like I he's like it's a an example again of like Christ being like well I I see what you're bringing to me and I'm gonna tell you why you don't need to worry about it so and what you know it's such a beautiful way to show it through her all right, so my second passage is a little bit different. <laughs> That's in the book of Judges, though. <laughs> and we've oh, we're throwing whole... back. Yeah, okay. we're going way back. All right. <laughs> yeah, we're throwing out the back on this one. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think we have a dramatic reading of this. We in, do. In, we actually in Season do. one and season yeah. one. So if you guys want to hear that, go back to season one and check that out. Do you want to, for this one, do you want to just like give a synopsis since it's kind of a long one? Oh, for sure, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, And so it's uh, Judges chapter four and it's it's pretty much like uh, people are getting ready to go to like war. They're trying to figure out like who's going to be like the person that's going to be slaying who. Uh, There's a... Deborah is part of this. Barack is part of this, and so you know, Deborah is talking to like the person that she thinks is is going to be like the person that is going to be most beneficial to help out with like achieving a, a win in this in this battle. Uh, but you know, he tells this person, "Hey, like the sleigh isn't going to be yours, though. Like that's that's that that sleigh is going to be somebody else's." Mm-hmm. And so then that kind of jumps us up to the story where we have. Uh, a lady by the name of Jael and she's just chilling this like uh the, the um Cicera Cicera that's what it is Cicera yeah. yeah comes in and it's like just you know if somebody comes looking for me tell them I'm not here yeah and, and so like, C- yeah Cicera's running away from the Israelite army so, right yeah he's he's and he's so, hot, he's booking it from Deborah and Barak yeah, he, he's <laughs> booking, right? And so he finds his tent and he goes in. And so Giles like, yeah, sure, dude, don't worry. Just go to sleep. Have some milk. <laughs> milk and cookies. Get, Last supper. <laughs> get, getting crunked on milk. <laughs> and so my boy, he, he catches some seeds. And as he's doing this, Giles just picks up a, a, a pig from the tent and just like drives it through his skull kills him and then you know Barack shows up and he's like ah this is uh, it's like uh the guy the guy you're looking for he's in there and you're welcome he's dead like <laughs> I took care of it like, you and your men couldn't do squat I just I just I handled this real quick for you 
I guess I'll go make dinner. <laughs> That's what you want to do as well. Dude, also, yeah, yeah dude, that that second shift oh, in the ancient world. Gotta, yeah, <laughs> that second, that's right. Got got to do the man's work to slay to slay the enemies of Israel, and, and then got to make dinner too. What? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Doing God's work, your work, and my work. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I'm going to need a break. <laughs> Where's <That's>, my union? <laughs> that's, that's, liter- that's literally one of... It's It's definitely top 10 for me, that story. Oh, my it, goodness. Yeah. It, but it's, a, it's just another example where, like, like, at least in the context of the book of Judges, like, you could ascertain God's will is for the people of Israel to inherit that land. And they, they got a, they got the Philistines and others coming after them. And then like, first of all, it's like Barack, he's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I need, I need help. And then, yeah, he goes, like, and then De- of you go. <laughs> yeah. And Deborah's like, fine, I'll help you. But, all the credit's gonna be mine. Yep, exactly. <laughs> oh my god, I just I I love that story. That story's such a great one. Yeah, and I love like this. It shows like like just the how the inclusion of 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 women and women's ideas and women's like thoughts about things like gets the job done in a mm-hmm. lot of situations. Like, like she just was like, hey, all right. I got it, fam. She's like, I got it. He's gonna like, he's gonna be super relaxed. He's gonna be hanging out, and then I got it. You know, yeah. so it's it's I'm just so it's just so funny. Uh, like another reminder of like, you know, how awesome women are. They just need to be in all the places. Yep, all the places. That and that's it. It's like a huge theme in the Old Testament is. And I think I already said it, but it, it's worth repeating over and over and over again. Is that like, like the women are the ones who fulfill God's will? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not gonna say that the men don't, but like when they when they can't or when they're like too like stuck in their ways, it's always the women who step in mm-hmm. and are like, "I got this." Um, yeah, and just like, like without hesitation like there that's i think what's so incredible to me is the level of trust the level of like there's not even like a second of like wait uh eh, can i get Uh like another person like help me with this it's just like nope got it you got it done it's they don't need to be swallowed by the, by a whale and then spit out yeah. where they need to be in order nope. for them to do their job. You know, they're like, ah, let's do this. You know, mm-hmm. like, we should we should rewrite Bible stories, uh, <laughs> but where women like take the place of people like Jonah and Abraham, and just like <laughs> see how like different it, they would it, be like, much shorter. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, exactly. Of the Bible exactly. <laughs> Like a hundred pages, dude. Yeah, yeah we well, we'd get we'd wrap that shit up so and tight. Then it, was it, would done. Done. it would be done. Oh, that's yeah. I I this comes to mind if like I just thought of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and how before like the angels and the story of Lot happens, how like Abraham's chilling with God up on a mountain and God's like, I'm gonna blow that place up because everyone there's a jackass and 
It's like, well, what if you find 50 nice people in there? It's like, all right, I won't blow it up if there's 50. Well, what about 10? Okay, man. what about five? Okay, and then um, I don't know if this is a good take or a bad take, but it's if it, Abraham were a woman, it'd be like, I'm going to blow up that. So he's like, all right, God, go. Go for it, dude. Who, who am I to stand in? Who am I to stand in the way? In your way. <laughs> exactly right. I I think with this, like, this comes just just popped in my head, like the feminine aspect of God. Like, maybe there's something to women understanding God better because there's a connection with the femininity of God. That. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I re- you reminded me of a uh, something that like I I heard Richard Rohr say once, which was like how women are just so like um like just like because of like the nature of like our biology, like women are so much more in tune to their bodies and how beneficial that is for yeah. women, and how like Richard Rohr was saying he was like at, in his older age he's been forced to because of health issues and concerns and stuff he's like how much more of a benefit would it have been if i had just you know like taken on that that you know that you know that feminine female like requirement really like Mm -hmm. it's just been more in tune with you know god's own creation really you know so um yeah so you know so and, and he was just he furthered it you know saying how how women are seem to be able to pick it up a little faster because yeah. of because of that attunement with creation and you know their bodies and the world around them yeah it's like it's baked in for women yeah and like and men have to learn it that's i was like with um it's another thing that richard Gore talks about all the time but it's rites of passage where like that was part of the like traditional rite of passage for men was to get them out of their like their dumbassery mm. to be like you are a mortal you you can die you're not better than anybody <laughs> where mm-hmm. it's just like that it's like men have to learn that and like that used to be part of like a more traditional cultures is like we have a we have a ritual to instill that um because we're done and <laughs> Just think we're immortal or like we just feel like we have this sense of ownership or like just like maybe like this notion that we might be physically stronger or like or whatever the case may be and then that let we just blow our heads up with that we're like oh we'll just hold on to this small <laughs> aspect and really bank that strength is gonna get us through everything you know Hey, but it, and, my, and then you get sick and you jump yep. <laughs> you cry like a baby yep, yep. yep. <laughs> How long do I have to live, doctor? <laughs> you have a you have a cold sore. You have a cold sore. <laughs> right. So like a week, right? That's yeah. what I figured. <laughs> yeah. And this is like actually frequently like discussed like among uh like you know, my med school and other like across like all medicine of like how cause it's now like in graduating med school classes, women outnumber men and how beneficial this is for patients and just you know, all people of how women are able to really bring kind of a unique perspective to healthcare and really provide that empathetic patient interaction. Um, 
that, you know, men definitely can provide as well, but it's not always as innate and ingrained as it is for, for women. So I have just found that so inspiring being able to like be a part of, you know, this like large, large group of, of women who are now kind of like changing the, the medical field for the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I'll share my stories and then um, I have a, another thought to riff on after that. Um, so I, so as we were talking about like the women who always get God's will done, um, a story came to mind and this one's, it's pretty freaking absurd, but it's still one of those ones where it's like the dude's not doing what God commands. Um, and so it's the story of Judah and Tamar and this is um, you can find it in Genesis chapter 38 and I'm just going to paraphrase it Um, so basically Judah has um, I think three sons and so Tamar is married to one of his sons and then that son dies and in the law of Moses, and granted this is before the law of Moses is established, but they're kind of reflecting backwards the laws that they had into the stories of the past. But the law of Moses, there's this, is called the Leverite law. And if you, if your brother died, you had to provide your brother with an heir. So basically you had to go and have relations with your sister-in-law um to try to provide him a male heir and so um, in their ancient logic that works it it was it wasn't about blood as much as it was about um legal the legal family yeah yeah because that's even a question with like well joseph wasn't his wasn't jesus's father so how is he an heir to david and it was it was about the legal line not Mm -hmm. the not the blood line um, and you actually find the same thing in Book of Ruth. So if you want to deep dive on Levite law, Boaz, he's trying to fulfill the Levite law. I digress. <laughs> digress. <laughs> so, so then they're like, uh, so then one of um, Judah's other sons, who it, now it's, it's his job to fulfill the Levite law because his brother died. And so he goes and he has relations with Tamar. Um, but as the, I think the biblical text says something along the lines, but then he spilt his seed on the ground. So, so homie got his pullout game on. Uh, we're going to have to put an explicit on this yeah, episode. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Throw an e. Yep. So, so he, he did not try to conceive with Tamar. So God killed his ass. Oh, damn. <laughs> that, that's that hardcore Jesus right now. Okay, you guys. <laughs> because, because it was like, because the guy wasn't following the Levite law. So it's like, you, you broke the law, you die. <laughs> Good. So no way around uh, it. And, and then, so I think, and then there's another brother and I'm pretty sure by this point, um, Judah is like two of my sons have died because of this chick. Like I'm, I'm not letting another son die, and so 
But Tamar, she knows what the Leverite law is, and she knows that God's law needs to be fulfilled. And so she dresses in disguise and pretends to be a prostitute and tricks Judah. Like, how, how immoral is this guy, Judah? Like, not only is he not following God's law, but then he's like, oh, well, check out this prostitute. I'm going to get me some. And so then, so Tamar tricks him and gets pregnant by Judah. <clears throat> and then later on, Judah sees her, I don't know if it's months later, and she's visibly pregnant. And she's like, well, you got to be stoned to death because you didn't, like, you're an adulteress and then she's like oh and then she pulls out like the scarf she was wearing as a prostitute and then he's like oh my gosh <laughs> i'm in the wrong of you're in the right you're the one who got the levirate law fulfilled and so here is another gal making sure that god's law gets fulfilled. god's law gets done <laughs> yeah that is <laughs> i love that. Okay, uh, that's another story that I do remember. Uh, I, I think we, I don't maybe we didn't do a, um, a dramatic reading of it, but you're right. Like it's just, it just goes to show, hey, we have to get things done. Nobody wants mm -hmm. to do it, and here we go. You know, modern par problems require modern solutions. You know, <laughs> in this case, like <laughs> OT problems require OT solutions. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Was that? I just had another thought around that. Um, he, oh yeah. So that actually, that this is a total tangent, but that passage, um, and, and maybe people are gonna at me because of this, but I don't, I don't give a he double hockey sticks um, mm -hmm. because um, I know what I'm talking about. Um, anyways. <laughs> I, I Assert have your dominance. Yeah, <laughs> yes, there you go. I have an episode where we're supposed to let Aaron talk. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But I, I, I have a $50,000 piece of paper that tells me I know what the Bible's saying. There you go. <laughs> I I'm do not. I do not. So <laughs> I'm working on another $50,000 piece of paper, too. Yep. So, um, but so often that passage about Judah and Tamar gets used for biblical proof against contraception. Um, and I'm not going to weigh into the, the contraception debate, but that is not biblical proof against right. contraception. The story is very self-contained. The story is mm -hmm. about the Levite law. Mm -hmm. Homeboy was struck dead because he violated the law of God and didn't give his brother an heir. That that's what the story's about. It's not mm -hmm. about it's not about the pill. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think like something that was I was thinking like throughout these stories of like, you know, women are are portrayed frequently as highly emotional and unable to think clearly because of emotions and they all of that stuff. But throughout all of these stories you've been brought up, it's like this crystal clear thinking mm -hmm. that they have, each one mm -hmm. of them. And it's like they're able to just see so clearly what needs to be done and how to get there and throughout we also see the emotions associated with this you know like we brought up of like uh mary sister of martha and lazarus of you know crying at her her brother's death so there is that emotion but there's a there's a crystal clear vision of mm -hmm. what needs to be done and i think that really like 
turns like this narrative like on its head, which is really the Bible's whole goal, but of yeah. um, that, you know, women are just emotional and they don't know anything and it's the exact opposite. They know exactly what needs to happen. Yeah. I mean, Jesus cried. That's that's in the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um okay. Any other thoughts on that insane story? <laughs> uh it's a trip. I've never read that one before. I'm not I'm I, I'm not as strong on my Bible as I should be. Um, but that is that's something. It's an obscure one. That's what I at at St. Therese I used to when I would do like the Bible study recap, like for the Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the big Bible study group. Mm-hmm. I would bring in the most obscure passages. It's like here's all the stuff that your videos didn't tell you. <laughs> and there there's one that I wanted that I was thinking about sharing, but I I'm gonna share something else. But it was like the story of Rispa, and she like King David kills all of her children, and then like hangs them up somewhere and animals like pick at their bones and then like Rizpa is like the hero of the story because she's like fighting off all the like animals and like guarding the remains of her children um and like David ends up looking like a jerk while this woman like is looking ends up looking like the hero so um that's another good one Second uh, Samuel twenty-two. If you want to read that one and be just utterly shocked at how David is like the worst person in the world. Like David is not a hero. <laughs> okay, um, I'm so I want to talk about wisdom. That wisdom <clears throat> is personified as a woman or as feminine. Um, and I have like a little passage here. Okay. So this is, comes from Proverbs chapter nine. Um, and it's just to prove my point of like wisdom is always personified as a woman. Mm-hmm. That wisdom has built her house. She has prepared her meat, mixed her wine. Yes, she has spread her table. She has sent out her maid servants. She calls from the heights out over the city. Let whoever is naive turn in here. To any who lack sense, I say, come eat my food and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness that you may live. Advance in the way of understanding. So here we go. Like We can see the, like what, so that that's like bringing in all of these things can be feminine. Like, if you lack sense, that ain't feminine. <laughs> um, forsaking foolishness, having um, being advanced in the ways of understanding, like these things are shown as to have a feminine genius within the Bible. So, um, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Yeah. And I think like, it's, it's always like, so I guess like shocking may not be the right word, but like almost like astounding to me that like it's repeated like here of like how 
you know, wisdom is, is given these, you know, female pronouns and it's very feminine. And, you know, then you look at like other, um, you know, religions or myths of like the first thing that came to mind was like the goddess Athena, you know, she's the goddess of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but then, and it's, it's, you know, like, uh, like, in Greek mythology, like it's all the, the, the male gods who are messing everything up. I mean, Zeus, I mean, dude, like get it together. You know, it's like all the women are like, all right, let's clean up after Zeus. Let's get, you know, all right. And so like, it just seems to be like repeated, like over and over throughout, like, you know, in the Bible and then like through other myths and religions of like, the women are the ones who, who know what's going on. And, but yet the men are given the credit, the authority, everything. And it's like, it's just doesn't, it's not click it. Like it's like, I, I see stuff like this and I'm like, where's like the disconnect here, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's just like a reminder of that again, you know, this comes up over and over. And I think the other thing too, that was striking for this was the gentleness of this, where mm-hmm. it's so like common eat the food I've prepared, come and join my table. And it's so inviting because I think women are really strive to be, you know, we strive to be welcoming. I mean, I love nothing more than having people over at my house, you know, like it's just a fact and um, preparing food for others. And that being shown here of like how they're like, we're going to show you how you're wrong, but we're going to do it in a nice way. Mm. And, um, so, you know, like the, it's something I'll, I'll frequently, like, it's a, a quote that I say to myself very frequently. It's not a religious quote, um, which is fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. So like, mm-hmm. there's, there's no point in, in fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting if you're just creating enemies of all of those around you. And yeah. women show over and over in the Bible, in life how they're able to do that but yet they're not given the praise and the credit and the authority that i think they deserve and i think that would benefit benefit others as well yeah for sure i also looked like the verse six of this so proverbs nine verse six like where it says forsake foolishness that you may live that's like wisdom is life Mm. like so um now we can make this even crazier um i think let's this is, do it uh, yes. don't hold back now <laughs> rip out that band-aid um so there's a i think this was by elizabeth johnson who's a catholic sister and theologian and it's either a chapter in one of her books or it's uh an article but it's titled um i think wisdom became flesh or the word became flesh and pitched her tent among us Mm. so bringing in and and so if you draw this together like wisdom it's always been understood as not just from god but actually a part of god and that like wisdom is god and the Greek word logos, which translates to word in the New Testament, is really, it's like the wisdom of God. And so the wisdom of God 
became flesh, became Jesus of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. And so that's bringing this idea of the feminine part of God is incarnate in Jesus. And so I think that like that'll, that'll ruffle some feathers to say that <laughs> the Christ part is feminine. Right. And um, so, yeah. But it's like, it's so beautiful though, the yeah. blending of the feminine and the masculine. It's like perfected mm-hmm. in Christ. And like, what is a better example? Like I remember Justin, like you and I had been talking about, like, I think you had, been interviewing for jobs or something and someone said what's like an ideal what's your like leadership like what's like your ideal leader or something and you said well Jesus and like (laughs) I feel that frequently like when people say like you know well like what what kind of physician do you want to be and I was like well I was called to this so a servant leader like that's Mm -hmm. like you know because they're different like ways you can lead like as a physician and I'm like for me there's no other option like it is you know being there for others in their greatest joys and their greatest need like that, that is Christ's mission for, for me. So, um, but yeah, seeing Christ as the perfection of feminine, femininity and, and masculinity is like, what more could you want? You know, yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, it, I, I don't know. My mind just went to like, he perfects the X chromosome and the Y chromosome. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. Yeah. And calls, calls all like it's, you know, like as you and I had been like texting like this past week of like, let us not forget that like, you know, God declared in the beginning, he created men and women and saw them as equal mm-hmm. and good. And yes. that is, which is why I once again get frustrated when they're like, women are less than, and it's like, where, show me where, where yeah. are you getting that from? Yep. Like, I'm like, I'm always just like, huh? You know, like, what? What are you guys talking about? It's not there. It's not there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, like, I'm reminded once again of the the thing we went to at LA Congress of Phyllis. Um, is it Ziango? Ziago? Zagano, uh, I think. Zagano. Um, people, like, were handing her questions. And her reaction to them was so funny because the question, the question, I mean, the questions were good questions, but um, they would say like, if, um, what was it? If Christ is from Mary, then why are women less than or something like something along those lines of like, Mm -hmm. if we're saying that like half of, you know, for going like biologically, if we're saying half of Christ or Jesus is, is Mary, then how was she less than or something? And she's like, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't understand. And she would just toss it to the side. And she would just be like, I, I I don't know. I can't tell you why that's even. <laughs> it was just so funny because she was like, I wish I could answer why people think that, but I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's a great way of answering too, just because it's like people ask at, at times, like people ask like super in-depth philosophical, like hard hitting questions and they're waiting because like either one, they know the answer and they're just wanting to see if the other person mm-hmm. knows it or not, or mm-hmm. like they just want to like embarrass somebody or whatever, you know, it's like, and when they get like a, yeah, I don't know, good question anyways. And then <laughs> they're just like, what? No, my, that's not what I wanted to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of my favorite, just uh, 
more tangents, but it's just uh, another example of that. Um, what is uh, Bill Maher, that movie, Religiousless, where he's like trying to go out and like turn people into atheists. And so he like runs into a priest outside the Vatican He's just like, well, don't you just think this is terrible? Like Jesus was poor and like you have this giant building that's really opulent and beautiful. And the priest is like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and like if Bill Maher had like nothing, he like couldn't retort. He's like, but, but, don't, but don't you think? That? No, I don't care. I just don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> is that my building? Like, yeah. Like, I, I came here for a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. don't, don't care. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so uh, Jesus, uh, feminine, and yeah, I, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I can't. As, I if you go with the like idea that, um, or I, not the idea, the truth that Jesus perf is the perfect human being, then of course he is going to encapsulate all that is perfect about humanity in its duality of male and female and show like how it's how to be perfect no matter what no matter who you are so mm -hmm. the word became flesh and pitched her tent among us so and that's what the the greek is closer to it's uh and and dwelt among us is closer to tabernacled among us, which mm. is a tent. Yeah. <laughs> so, cool. All right. Well, uh, do you guys have any other things you want to like throw out there and on this conversation besides down with the patriarchy? Um, <laughs> women are the best. Woo! I like it. Well, I, well, woo! I'll, I'll take that right that roof there <laughs> let's go i uh, i also just have a funny a funny story to tell that's not related but i as go i have been telling justin it's uh i have been a, attending like a a fellowship on on campus and that is primarily like most of the people are are protestant or non-denominational and i am frequently saying I have such a devotion to Saint Luke or like air I am, you know, so, and all of them are just looking at me like, what is she talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and I've just been running with it. I've just been like, oh, like, you know, I, I ask for Saint Luke's help all the time and, da -da -da -da, and they're just like, what is this woman? Is Luke. <laughs> <laughs> like, who is Luke? What, or like, what is she talking about? Um, so that's been a very like amusing uh, experience for for me. So, but yeah, do yeah. You have a, do you get to pick Bible? Do, do you guys like rotate? It's like, and I brought this story to share. No, so we're like reading. It's like a book of like. Okay. Here's like uh, how to like get through med school as a as a Christian person. Um, so. Um, but yeah, and I, I remember when like Justin and I were working at the church, people would say to me very frequently, and I know I've already told Justin the story of like, people would say, your faith is going to be tested as a physician. And I remember thinking, what are you talking about? Because you're going to have to do abortions. Because like, <laughs> that was always people's first 
thought was right. she's going to be forced to, to do something against her, just against her faith. But it was it was never just against my faith. It was specifically abortion or euthanasia. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I, my thought has always been, this is what is more Christ like than than this, this like than this job, like for yeah. for me, you know, at least. And I was just like, what yeah, are you talking about, people? Yeah. Like. I, you know, I was just like, this is nuts. Like, this is so that has always uh, just been something that's been striking to me. Yeah, that, that's why that's why you listen to Los Nazarenos and don't listen to any of those. I mean, there maybe there's 10 good Catholic podcasts out there. Like the Francis Effect. The Francis Effect is a good one. And we just. That one's we, a great one. We had yep. we had Dan Haran on. A couple weeks ago. Why are you telling me this? Uh-huh. I could have shown up and been like, "Hey, what's up?" I listen to your yeah. podcast all the time. You got I I got He's to awesome. I loved him so much. I felt so comfortable. Yeah, yeah well, I think I introduced you to him at LA yeah. Congress. Yeah, and I was yeah. just blown away that he was like, he has oh. all these degrees and he's so incredible. And he was just like, "Hey, I'm Dan," and I was like, "Yeah, what?" It's... I was like, "Hi, I'm here." <laughs> like it was just very. It's funny when we or when I graduated, like we're in like the green room, which it was just a hot room in the friary. And he just like waltzes in, in his like doctoral garb. And he's like, he's like, oh, it's too hot out there. So I'm, I'm just going to hang out with you guys. I'm like, yeah, okay. And yeah. at the time I was like, who are you? And then, and I'm like, oh, you're Dan Haran. Like one of the greatest theologians of our time. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Super cash. Super, super cash. Um, but yeah, just but back to your story, Aaron, about like the the like vitriolic, like I, I think I can't help but think that just comes from like a very like ill-informed corner of Catholicism or a Catholic media that it's like it, it's the same with like universities. It's like universities are going to turn your children into atheists. It's like, well, maybe if you did a better job teaching your children about how Christianity works, <laughs> like they you don't have to worry about it, you know? Yeah. yeah. When, when they get to philosophy 101, like, it, and then that, and it's the same thing. It's like they made an entire movie about it with God's Not Dead, which mm-hmm. is a completely absurd concept for a movie and like all the ideas in it is just like it it's just meant to get christians high and feeling great about themselves and but the real world's not like that like yeah yeah I, yeah like yeah the doctors aren't being forced to perform abortions against their will no and, um they're not and like, that's yeah yeah, like I knew I knew a nurse practitioner who like who is Catholic and he is very adamant. It's like like I'm not gonna prescribe like any like abortifacient like mm-hmm. or plan B pills or whatever. Um and it it wasn't a big deal. It was just like, no, I don't prescribe that. Like Yeah. It wasn't like he got fired because of yeah. it. So Yeah, and I, I think too, like I I try to really bring in like the this idea of like with as because of like the the understanding I now have of my faith which I didn't you know several years ago but of like with each thing that I learned or like encounter about the world it just 
it, it makes it click more for me of like it all like and I feel like that's how I wish that's how it was for all but I know it's not and yeah. um and that's the thing too of like tying it back to like you know women in the bible of like mm-hmm. it just the more you look the more it's like what's going on here fam like what are you yeah. talking about you know and it's like it's just the more I read the more it's just like it's like yeah like women have been getting stuff done since day one yeah and we're not gonna let anything stop us <laughs> that's just the way it is and like I you know so yeah yeah it's funny that makes me think of uh there's there's actually no theological or dogmatic opposition or obstacle to women being cardinals in the catholic church like Hmm. there there's canon law that Mm -hmm. says you have to be ordained but that's only like been around for a few hundred years Mm -hmm. and it's not a dogma or a theological truth of the church Mm -hmm. like um what's his the pope pope leo the 10th who is the pope during the reformation when he was made a cardinal he was a 13 year old boy and a lot of cardinals were were not ordained and then they were elected pope and so they'd be elected pope then they would be ordained mm. after being elected pope and then installed as pope like i see so ordination is not a it's not a like requirement yeah requirement it is right now according to canon law but canon law can easily be changed Mm -hmm. yeah um so it's not a theological or dogmatic requirement to be ordained to be a cardinal so yeah and also too i was just thinking like because i've been listening to the francis effect and i've been trying to catch up but um just like I'm so interested in like following like sister Natalie in the Vatican and her mm-hmm. role. Uh, please tell me what her specific role is. Cause I can't the synodal, she's like the director of the synod, right? Yeah. Yeah. And she, um, and you know, like they were t- discussing on the podcast of like, Oh, you know, I hope this is good. Like trying to be pessimistic. And as, as father Haran pointed out, it's like, we have to start somewhere. And it's mm-hmm. like, I, you know, I, I pray and I, as an optimistic person, I, I hope that, that only good will come of this, but having a, a woman in such a, as, as, you know, in such a visible place I, is so, so important because it's there. It's yeah. all right there. <laughs> like of, of why women are so invaluable and important in Christ's mission. So. Absolutely. And it, and coming back to Mary Madeline, if it weren't for her, she, if she didn't deliver that message, right. We're not here. So. Yep. She's a homie. She's an OG. Oh yes. Madeline is. The, yeah. She is yes. OG. yes, ma'am. She's an OG. The, the Eastern Orthodox stories of her are so much better than the Catholic stories of her. Like there's stories about her. She like, I can't remember all of them, but it's just like just homegirl going and getting audiences with the Roman emperor and being like, what up? She's so cool. Christ is risen. You ain't God. You ain't God, Caesar. Yep. (laughs) Yep. So, yeah, she's She's so 
She's so cool. And she was not a prostitute. She was yeah. not a prostitute. If you, but you know what? If she was, God would have worked with that. Like he absolutely. would have, you know, like yeah, absolutely. That's Ray, uh, Rahab in uh, yeah. in uh, Jericho. Like they they don't take Jericho without this prostitute doing her thing and recognize, yep. recognizing the God who wasn't even her God. And it's a pagan woman getting the work done. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. All right. Okay. Well, uh, Aaron, thanks so much for joining us. And yeah, um, thanks for inviting me and watching it and letting us observe the patriarch patriarchy be smashed. So, yes, um, I do my best. <laughs> wake up every day that's the goal yeah just break it down there one day at yep. a time <laughs> yep cool guys well um go on the uh, leave the podcast uh review uh, yes good one only yeah. <laughs> if it's bad don't don't put it there oh i love it erin yes <laughs> oh she's repping see we usually say leave us a bad review because we're so humble but yeah <laughs> oh no i'm like unless it's good if it's not take your go over there oh, yes <laughs> um, and then uh, of course you can follow us on social media platforms it's at nazarenos for life and Aaron, do you want people to follow you on social media? Are you sure? <laughs> that that's a podcast thing. You could follow I... ran, random medical student. Yeah, or if you want to know what it's like to be a Catholic and a medical student, or just want to know what it's like to why women's health is so important, I'm on Instagram at, at underscore Aaron E R I N underscore May M A E. Nice, nice. All right, y'all. Uh, thanks again, and Nazarenos out. Yeah.